Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On The Back Bar Podcast. Um, chap, so good to have you both on the show. Um, obviously, I just mentioned I'm coming to Singapore next week, so I'm looking forward to actually catching up with you both properly. But how you both been? I mean, firstly, congratulations. Um, we're here to talk about your new bar, and uh, I've been hearing about it for a very long time, of course. You've been sort of promoting it across Asia and the world, um, and I've seen your stickers everywhere as well. But I think we're, we're pretty much here now, right? The, the day's upon us, so let's talk about the bar. Well, yeah, like you mentioned, we've been uh, been promoting it for a, for a long time. Uh, our first event that we did was back in like August uh, at a hanky panky in a, in Mexico City, and then yeah, we've been around Asia a little bit, Vietnam, Korea, and uh, we're finally actually uh, having to having to work now at our own bar. And the fun part's over. Time to time to buckle down. Good. And uh, Jesse, so I, I want to ask actually, firstly, Cat Bike Club, um, tell us about the name. Where did that come from? Uh, it's very unique. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, depending on how deep you go, right, you could say that we've been working on this bar for whatever, 15, 16, 17 years for as long as we've been in the industry to a certain respect, um, you know, gathering all of our experience. And then I, I would say actually talking about this, this exact concept um, over the last few years, you know, just to start. And the names, name changed a lot, like throughout that period, as, as it does. Um, but how we ended up with like Cat Bite Club is, um, <clears throat> you know, we kind of like our, our logo and I think the embodiment and the idea of our space is kind of the, uh, you know, a little bit of the, the, the naughty, the curious, the exciting, excitement, the the agile, the adjusting, like all these kind of things that fit the personality of, of a cat. And, uh, you know, we figured like <clears throat> for, for, for you get kind of bit with the with the curiosity of what we, we have to offer. Um, and so I think that's kind of the idea of where the name came from. And I think that also includes with the logo because like the original um, the original inspiration for that was kind of like the Cheshire cat smile, which also just kind of gives that. For me, like growing up watching the cartoon movie back in the day, it gave me this like real kind of like fun, again, like curious uh, adventure feeling excitement could go bad, could go good kind of kind of feel when I think about that. Um, and so all those characteristics kind of went into the name of the logo. Fantastic. So obviously a lot of people um, listening will know you guys from from your previous work experience. Jesse, obviously at Atlas before and then Gabriel, you were here in Bangkok for quite some time and you've been doing various other projects including some consultancy work but what's it like actually coming together and, and building your own bar and, and obviously this has been a long time in the works I guess um, when did you guys first get together to talk about opening the bar and tell us about the process of coming up the whole concept itself yeah so we really buckled down and uh, started started talking about the the brass tacks of the bar during COVID 
you know, we were both working on, you know, working at places that were not, not grinded to a halt, but a lot less work, at least like, you know, 50% time off work for me. And we were able to put down on paper the business planned, uh, and really, really decide like what the offering was going to be for the bar. Um, <laughs> okay. And what about the concept? So I'm guessing it's a, I mean, it's a standalone bar, of course. Um, what can people expect? I know you've got a couple of small openings next week, right? So people will be going to, to see it for the first time. Um, tell us about the beverage development itself. What's the concept like? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the concept, and I guess a lot of it kind of goes back as well to when I first moved to Singapore in 2018, um, about a year before Gabe moved over to Bangkok. And, you know, Singapore being regarded as one of, you know, the, the world leaders in culinary and, and, and beverage, um, you know, up there with some of the top cities around the world with the amounts of bars and restaurants that get the recognition, you know, however individuals feel, but, that, but that's just the truth of the matter, right? And it was, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't any bars that were really um, focused on agave spirits. Um, there's a few bars that have a decent agave selection, um, you know, maybe up to like 15 or 20 bottles of, of good agave spirits. Um, there are some bartenders that are super passionate. I mean, a lot of bartenders are very passionate about bar, bar, uh, agave spirits here, but that's really been a gap in the market here. Is there's there, there's never been a bar where you can go because you want to seek knowledge um, and and like mindedness when it comes to the spirit category. Which for Gabe and I, growing up in California, you know, we were introduced to agave spirits very early in our, our bar career. Um, you know, se- seventeen years ago, we were working in a bar called Beretta. Sixteen or seventeen years ago, and like you know, we, we put a mezcal drink on the menu, and this was back when people were like walk in and they look at the menu and they'd be like what's mezcal so this was like very much like the first frontier of this category being introduced outside of mexico right so we've been quite connected to it for a long time we knew that that we've and we've just watched the category grow all over the world wherever agave goes it stays and gets bigger obviously it's more an issue of production right now right like everywhere in the world wants more agave so as as we continue to you know do our thing here in asia and as, as that we, uh, as I noticed that, that 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 gap wasn't being filled, it was like, okay, then we really locked into the concept on that part, and then it's agave and rice. And it's funny because the rice thing is almost more obvious because it's locality. It's like, you know, even here in Southeast Asia and even Asia Pacific, like, how many cocktail bars champion, like, local spirits, really? Like, I mean, and when I say local spirits, I don't mean just a gin that's made in the region or a rum that's made in the region, although Southeast Asia does have a history of rum, but more just like these really classic spirits that have been drank and they're some of the most consumed spirits in the world. So you got soju and shochu in a more premium category, baijiu. And there's some, there's a couple bars in China, like the Hope, Hope and Sesame guys have Bar Senyo that focuses on baijiu and stuff. But we were like, yeah, let's let's embrace this too. Like we're here, we're, we're from, we're Westerners, but it's like being here in Asia, we really want, we want these spirits to shine too. Um, so we put these two things together and I would say kind of the last connecting key between those two spirits um, was just kind of, it, it clicked in our minds, just like in a culinary sense, you know, when it comes to Mexico and Asia, and let's even say Southeast Asia, cause that's where we're located. There's actually like a lot of like, f- uh, flavor and ingredient crossover, you know, um, cilantro cor- or coriander, whatever you call it is very commonly used in both cuisines. Obviously rice is commonly used in both cuisines. Um, uh, you know, chicken, pork, a little more obvious, but citrus chili 
Um, Mexican chilies are very different, but very heavily incorporated into the flavor profile of the food. I mean, you live in, in Bangkok, so, you know, chili is quite heavily used in Southeast Asian cuisine. Um, you know, so there's so many things that just like made sense. Like the food, the, both the foods are very like bright and zesty and like, you know, so, so when all those things kind of came together from a flavor profile, we're like, all right, like this is something that's us. It's totally unique. It has to do with our story, but it also has to do with where we are now. Um, but aside from all that high concept shit, I mean, really in the end of the day, sorry, I don't know if I can curse on here, but I just did really in the end of the day. Okay. (laughs) Really in the end of the day, we just want to have a good bar. That's a good time and a great place to drink at where you're going to be treated with really warm hospitality. You're going to have a service and bar staff that will engage with you and know what is offering. We just want to create a a great place to drink. You know, we want to scratch that itch of taking our combined experience and putting it into an actual venue. Mm. Well, I'd love to jump into the beverages themselves and what people can expect in terms of cocktail. But I'd be quite interested here as well because I think everyone sort of aspires to have their own bar one day, their own venue. Um, How was that? like i guess setting up the whole process did you have any sort of roadblocks yeah. along the way you he's didn't assuming expect? we're all so, the way you know, set up yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah but i i mean was it a, a learning process or a, were you quite you know ready to rock and i mean roll? total total learning curve yes the yeah. first big hurdles are setting up bank accounts as foreigners there's a bunch of you know hoops you have to jump through to accomplish that right. second thing that took forever was finding the right venue Um, And I think no matter where you are, finding the right venue is the most, one of the most important things in terms of the location, the bones of the space, uh, and then, you know, coming into a market where you're kind of treated as an outsider, there's an extra added, uh, you know, cost, difficulty, et cetera. Some landlords just just don't want to fuck with you, you know, or they're... You try to explain to them that you're opening a cocktail bar and they think you're opening like a karaoke lounge and they're like, oh, no, no, we don't want that here. Uh, So that was one thing was learning how to actually explain what kind of place we're going to open. A few different versions of our of our deck showing what the products were going to be, you know, uh, finding bars we could compare ourselves to so that landlords didn't get afraid. We were going to run some some sleazy operation, probably because of how I look. Uh, and then of course, negotiating all of the, uh, the tenancy agreements, um, never done that Mm. beyond like a lease for an apartment. So obviously this is a lot more money and effort invested. Um, then learning a whole bunch of technical things, uh, about electrical output, voltage, wattage, things I was completely ignorant about before having to, you know, make a checklist of, of all these things and make sure the place had them. We, uh, had a couple places that were, oh yeah, we're totally ready for F and B. And once our contractors came and looked at the space, they're like, oh no, like you would need to add another <laughs> stairwell for fire safety and dig into the street to add electrical power to your to your place. So we had some good friends uh, who've already gone through these same struggles that were able to give us a lot of advice, um, but there were still, you know a dozen things that we had to kind of figure out through, through trial and error. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, an image in your mind of what the venue is going to look like in terms of design or did you have that and then have to scrap a lot of it because of those, um, you know, more maintenance issues and stuff? I mean, I, I don't know what yeah. the venue looks like. I've only Let's seen the see. sticker. How much should we give away? We've been but... keeping the place pretty under wraps. <laughs> yeah. uh, we always <laughs> it's true, really yeah, like yeah. the idea of having an entrance experience so our original 
plan was we'd find a place where we could have a small bottle shop in front, which could also act as, you know, Mm. something to create revenue during the day and to showcase some of the cool, unique spirits we had. Uh, And just so you're not stepping in right from the sidewalk into the bar, we wanted it to be a little tucked away. So all all I'll say Mm -hmm. is that we did find a place that we, we, we can kind of serve, serve that, uh, serve that experience to our guests. Uh, we worked with a really great designer who got the aesthetics of the place looking how we needed them to, how we wanted them to. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's always what you wish for in an ideal world. And then, you know, you have, well, would we rather run a 40 seat venue or a hundred seat venue logistically in terms of hiring staff, in terms of keeping it full, uh, versus what just kind of makes sense for, uh, yeah, for what we have right now in terms of manpower and budget and all those things. Mm. Sure, sure. So, I mean, in terms of the drinks, so obviously we're, we're focused on agave and rice spirits, so um, great focus. And what about the cocktails? What sort of, uh, what was the development process like with that? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the area that's like where, that we, we I think we just, when we started talking about the, the cocktails, I mean, we were basically on the same page from day one and then, uh, Mark Rahel, who designed our our cocktail menu, who's who's a great great cocktail menu designer, who's done done some of the and some of the best bars in the world, from you know, U.S. and New York to to London and, and Asia. So he created our menu, and I feel like he really encapsulated that vision um, very well. Also, so you know, as I was kind of wrapping up talking about you know the bar just a moment ago. You know, a, a lot of the thing is too like while in some ways we are pretty high concept when you think of an agave and rice focused venue, um, we don't want people to feel that way. We don't want people to feel intimidated. We want we don't, you know, if if only if the only guests that came in the bar were huge fans of agave and rice, I don't think our business would last very long from a revenue standpoint. So, um, you know, as far as the look and the feel of the space, there's no like motif of like any kind of like Asian or Mexican, you know, there's not pinatas and happy cats like set up everywhere. Um, you know, it's meant to be a vibe <laughs> right. and fun cocktail bar. And so that, that whole concept um, is also shown through the menu and the drink offerings. Um, so basically we have two cocktails that are like the what we're pushing forward as like kind of our champion drinks for each of those categories that are standalone. Um, and then the menu has 15 other cocktails and the way it works is there's a classic cocktail and there's an agave and a rice variation. Um, so Mm. one drink with rice or a, a rice or Asian or Asian spirit that is, um, you know, uh, taking the concept of, let's say an espresso martini and expressing that in like a totally different format. And then same with agave. Um, so the idea is, um, if you, come into the bar and you don't know anything about these spirits and you open the menu, you're going to see some things you're quite comfortable with, like a Negroni, like an espresso martini or, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and then there will be variations on that. And also part of the mechanics of the menu is we can add and remove, um, sections. So instead of kind of doing like every six month or every year, wholesale menu change, we'll, it'll just be fluid. Um, at one point we'll take out one classic, we'll add another classic in. And every time we change a classic, there will basically be two new bespoke, uh, cocktails that were created at Cat Bite Club. But of course, classically driven, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Gabe and I, we, we definitely come from, I guess, more of the old school with that. We really believe in classic call it, classic cocktails, classic cocktail knowledge. And we think drinks just drink the best that way as far as like, you know, places you want to return to multiple times. Um, so yeah, everything is uh, a, a modernized classic, you know, with Sherry. 
<laughs> Can you tell us about some of um, the things you've been doing to build up to the launch? I mean, I know you're doing some guest shifts. We had you in Bangkok, of course, uh, at Bamboo Bar at one point. Um, but what other fun, fun, engaging activations or or events have you been doing to lead up to it? Or what do you have planned for the next couple of months? Yeah, um, right. All the, the, the guest shifts. And we did like a small residency here for like a weekend, making some of the, the cocktails from the menu. But uh, beyond that, through our uh, consulting company that we, uh, that we have, Catbike Crew. Just going to plug that right there. Uh, we've been trying <laughs> to run some other events. So we just wrapped up a really fun uh, like industry trivia night that we are hosting once a month. Um, we have a couple other things mm. planned that are uh, the, the idea is to throw events that aren't guest shifts because there is a saturation of guest shifts, which is great. I'm glad, yeah. glad everyone's coming to Singapore and doing guest shifts, but uh, we think there's enough of them. We don't need to, to add to that at all. Um, so, yeah, look forward to seeing some more things. I won't tell you exactly what they will be, but once uh, the bar is up and running, we'll be hosting some other uh, some other things like that just for like industry to get together and have a good time. Okay, still very hush hush. A lot of it, then, <laughs> you know, not and sharing too much sure. right now. <laughs> yeah, fair. So, back to um, back to the spirits. Then, I mean, you mentioned that um, there are some bars that have uh, agave spirits, of course. But um, how big of a collection are you guys going to be having at, at, at Cat Bite? And is there any sort of education you're sort of building into it as well? Um, I'm just yes. trying to do the, the math in my head. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I, was, I feel I like we're at around that. like uh, like eighty skews of agave or something. Yeah, yeah. That's which, impressive. Which is wow. hard to come across that much in this part of the world. Uh, a lot of it hand-carried, some of it by ourselves from Oaxaca yeah. um, and other places and friends coming and visiting from other. But, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. That sounds about roughly right. I know that we have Let's say 100. More, we have more than we can <laughs> totally fit on the on the bar it also turns out that most mezcal balls are really tall so things you don't always uh prepare for but but most of them do fit yeah i mean we we have when i sat down and looked at the bar i was like this is a, a really impressive uh agave selection out here for sure and it's, it's we were it's, impressed by it so that's a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's you know it's 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 highly curated it's... so it's uh um some of the brands okay. you may have seen before but i think a lot of things are, are quite unique um and different um but yeah, overall, like we kept the rest of the spirits. Like you know, I think you know when it comes to gin and whiskeys and, and other spirits, like we have some, of course. Um, but they're all, you know, three three to five skews, kind of basically. Um, yeah, sounds 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 about right. Around a hundred, a hundred or so different agaves. It's a pretty yeah. big collection, guys. Yeah, yeah nice. Right, okay, a little bit. Smaller. And I guess you have a lot. <laughs> well, we're gonna grow it. Right. We're okay. It. Hopefully, it'll grow with us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is that very regional then? Are you sort of very specific in terms of some of the Southeast Asian countries for rice uh, spirits? I, mean, I think when it comes to the more premium categories, definitely soju and shochu from South Korea and Japan are, are a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, hmm. And there's so much that we still haven't explored yet and we're still learning more. I mean, we're, we're very much like learning a lot ourselves about this category. And I, I think, you know, Something that's important to both of us, like we we don't classify ourselves as experts in spirits, but we are huge advocates, lovers, you know, curious explorers, um, experts in cocktails for sure, experts in operating bars as far as our experiences. <laughs> but um, so, yes, I would say those two regions definitely have these more premium categories already established. So we're 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 trying to like find more, um, but we feel like it's really going to grow, and I think you know. 
also with our investment in this category, and I'm just kind of trailing a little bit off what you actually asked me, but I think like the 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 long term, what we would love to see is like five years from now, every bar has, you know, in their well they have their 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 whiskey, their gin, their vodka, their rum, and there's a bottle of soju or a bottle of shochu because there's like now some modern classics and there's now demand for these these categories, right? Mm, mm. So let, let's talk about that then. Um, let's go into some of these modern classics that you mentioned about Soju. Um, what would these be? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just something, I'm, tr- yeah. I'm just trying to think what modern Sorry, classics Sorry, we don't give those were, away but... for free, <laughs> yeah. Chris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. Because, I mean, I, I, I've never really used them uh, myself yeah. in, in cocktails, so it'd be really interesting to hear what you've well, been doing. And, and what's, with. what's so cool about uh, rice what I always repeat is that like it is an agricultural product. It does have a lot of nuances. Um, many people are just, you know, out for Korean barbecue and taking a, a shot of something cold and not really, you know, like you would with any chilled yeah. shot, not really like, you know, tasting it all the way um, and seeing what the little small flavors in there and how they interact. Uh, so depending on the exact production brand, the ABV, the drinks are clearly going to be different. Uh, we have a hero drink on the menu that we're hoping will, you know, take, get a little traction. It's very like nice, light, refreshing sprit style cocktail. We think it complements the little subtle flavors, um, of the soju very well. Um, but we're just, we're just kind of, we're getting started right now. We're going to see where it goes. There will definitely be, I mean, we have a number of rice spirit based cocktails on the menu. It's like what we have six. Six? Oh my God. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, Let's six. go with that. It is six, yeah. And uh, we'll keep on adding to that library, whether those are, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, multi-ingredient house cocktails or more, I'm sure there will also be more, you know, very simple serves, you know, a way to serve a soju yeah. martini or something along right. those lines that are going to gonna come out. I, I would, I mean, we, I'll, we'll just tell you guys. I mean, I feel like we got to give them a cocktail. We got to tell them what's in the cocktail here, you know? But yeah, so... We don't tell them nothing. <laughs> so the, the, the kind of hero one that we're, we're put for the soju category, we're calling it a soju sprint. Um, it's like a Tom Collins variation, basically, with some peach, some Oloroso sherry, um, lemon, uh, absinthe, a little bit of honey. So just like and and you know soju itself i get like specifically the the one we're using which is uh the toki soju um you know it's 100 percent rice mm. which is not true with a lot of sojus these days i don't want to get into the whole history of it but we can talk about it at the bar but like you know soju always used to be made from rice and then many years passed and then they started making it from everything and got these laws passed you know as major conglomerate companies do they find ways to make loopholes and give people cheaper spirit that they can mass produce. So the premium category of soju, a lot of them are using 100% rice, which Toki does. So those flavors, you know, like Gabe said, are agricultural, right? So you're tasting a lot of the terroir. Um, they tend to be mm. kind of earthy, um, uh, a bit richer. You get a little bit of that that kind of like unctuous sweetness you get from rice a little bit in the flavor profile, not like in a obviously overly sweet texture-wise, but just like that almost like, touch of honey kind of thing which is also why we're using the honey to expand upon that in that cocktail um you'll have to come and find out about the other drinks there's five others that are based on variations of classics we're using you know some some uh oak some some sojus that are finished in oak cask uh we're using a you know a shochu um that has like yuzu 
in a in a redistillation, almost the way like gin would be made. So so there's like it's a, it's a it's a it's a big category, and there's a lot of ways to play with it. But it's it's just like it needs to be more understood and and demanded, you know. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, for me, all I know of it is uh in 7-eleven they have the sort of strawberry yeah, flavored exactly. ones or, or peach flavors tons of sugar i mean you can't really like notice any of the the rice you mentioned but it's definitely yeah, a category I, I need to explore more so hopefully when i come to the bar next week i can i can see some of it um so yeah great guys but going back to agave i mean um a that that's a pretty impressive collection you've got 88 plus squs um i mean are, are you focusing on also like quite unique um uh, varietals because i tried rasia the other day and that blew my mind. It's such a weird flavor. I mean, super, it's funky, right? Like very dairy, blue cheese sort of flavor. But do you have some of that in the bar as well available? We, we should have rice, some ricea when the bar opens, not more than one or two bottles. Uh, we have some sotol. We have a couple bottles of sotol, which is not an agave spirit. Okay. It's made from desert spoon. Uh, and then also bacanora is another kind of obscure one that uh, isn't readily available I mean, really, in the region, I think I know like one person that's bringing some Bacanora into Thailand. Um, but we'll definitely make sure to have a couple bottles of that that's uh, made made specifically in Sonora and is also just the kind of thing you taste. It blows your mind every time. It's like you don't you don't know how to really describe it until you had it. Like Ricea, Sotol, Bacanora, those are things that I think that's like when you graduate from Mezcal. It's like, oh, you start with like hmm. Espadine, then maybe you move up to something like Tobola, then something really kind of crazy, like, like a wild tepezate. And, and then after that, I think you graduate to those like uh, ricias, et cetera. Um, but yeah, really excited to see that look on people's faces when they try something like that for the first time. That's uh, always very gratifying. Do you think Singapore is going to be quite open to this? Like, uh, I mean, would you say that right now, those sort of agave spirits are quite under undervalued or underutilized in, in Singapore? Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to, you know, consumer for sure i mean i think like uh singapore mm. is is still a very whiskey dominated market um gin i think is number two after that um but i think whiskey takes up like 70 percent of the market share here um so i would say the enthusiasts mm. that gabe and i have encountered when it comes to agave are kind of like whiskey drinkers turned agave drinkers so they tend to be more into the the more age stuff so the extra and yehos and yehos um so those people, obviously, they're just a few steps away from getting into the entire range and falling in love with all of that. Um, but I think for the rest of of the wider consumer base, they need to come in and, and try our margarita and just be like, oh, shit, like, this is dope. Um, but that obviously, a lot of people who drink margaritas don't know anything about tequila, which is totally fine. Um, but you want to have some kind of a gateway to come into it, right? And I think also something that, that is worth mentioning is we made a point and even like, you know, for ourselves, like from a cost wise, we're not, we're not just pouring like the most like mediocre, best price agave spirits we could find. We're using different brands and different, um, uh, makers, producers in basically every cocktail. Cause we want to showcase that. So even like our house tequila is, you know, in one or two cocktails, but then there's a different Blanco for this, a different Reposado for that. So, you know, what we do want, right, is, is people to come in. Maybe the first time they come in, they just have a Negroni. And the second time they come in, they have, like, a Negroni or a variation with agave. And then the third time they come in, they're like, oh, I want to actually try sipping a Reposado. Boom, now we're hooked. We got them, right? So then, then that's, like, that's, that's, that's basically the idea is to 
get people more comfortable drinking it in cocktails. And then, I mean, you, I, I haven't met anyone who's like got intrigued by agave and then just stopped being interested in it. Like once, once you know what's up, you can't, you can't go away from it. You know, I, is there anything very, very unique at Cat Bike Club? Like any sort of bottles that are super rare that you're not gonna, you wouldn't find normally. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a handful of stuff that we hand carried, more like a bag full of stuff that we hand carried uh, from uh, from Mexico when we were we were in Oaxaca last year. Definitely not finding any of that, and you know, even the stuff that we brought from California, you're not you're not gonna see here. Um, we don't. You know, we're, we're not going too crazy on those, like, uh, really rare, super-aged, extra, añejo, hard-to-find ones. But there's there's a couple things in there that are, like, you know, very pricey, small production. Uh, in general, we want stuff that isn't going to have such a price on it that people are going to be, like, scared because people don't understand it. So we want stuff that's going to make people interested and want to try all all the other stuff uh when we talk about mezcals mm. like mezcal is the one thing where i don't think you can ever even like know 30 percent of the mezcal that exists just because there's there's so much range and variation uh but being able to show someone like hey this is tobola this is also tobola this is also tobola and have them taste how they're all completely different just opens people's eyes to like oh i want to keep on trying as much of it as as possible hmm. well guys we'll wrap up very soon um i mean i guess we should probably ask where is the bar um where can we find it when we come yeah, to singapore we're, uh, we're on duxton road um so we're in a very central area we have okay. some we have uh, some famous neighbors down the street a little bar called jigger and pony it's about a five minute walk away so um you can yeah, yeah. Um, okay, there's a few other great bars in our neighborhood, Tipling Club, Nighthawk. So there's, there's, uh, we're in an area. I mean, you've been to Singapore, you know how it is. Like you just, once you get to a certain neighborhood, there's like you know six, six to eight world class cocktail bars you can just stroll to, you know, with within a block of each other. And, and also us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so so on Dexter Road near Ten Drum Pagar. Um, yeah. you can you can find us on Google Maps. We just okay. set that up. <laughs> good, good well like I'll, I'll put the links in the show notes for for your instagram page and and once again congratulations guys it's, it's very difficult to set up a bar but uh but you've got there and i'm looking forward to coming next week to to see it um anything else the audience should know before a big launch or anything oh i don't know i mean we're opening on june 14th so come after then <laughs> bring us bring us some yeah, tequila totally. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this isn't a one-way yeah, yeah, thing uh if anyone wants to mule any agave, slide in the DMs on the Instagram. Uh, we'll, we'll sort something out. Yeah, we'll pay. Yeah, we'll yeah, pay yeah. the tax. We'll pay the tax. You'll get a discount. We'll like you or something. You know. <laughs> Good guys. Once again, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, congratulations, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Cat Bike Club right, come to life. Appreciate Ciao, it. Good talking to you. All right, we'll stop that there. Thank you so much for listening to the show, guys. Uh, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, and all other major podcast providers. Your support helps my show grow, and I love you for listening. So thank you so much. If you want to be a part of it even more, please look at the show notes. You can find links to our Facebook group, The Beverage Network. You can also find links to my Patreon page where you can help the show grow even further. 
with small donations. And you can also find my email where you can reach me anytime with any questions. You guys are amazing. I love this industry. Let's keep it growing. Thank you for listening to On The Bat Bar.